Milan Lucic went on the record to discuss what went wrong with the Flames last year. And believe it or not, no one, no one was throwing punches in that locker room. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I am your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $200 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, we are going to be talking about Milan uh, Lucic's interview on a podcast with John Scott, and we're going to talk about legitimately what could be next, (laughs) and NHL.com's projected lineup um, for opening night, and I have plenty to say about it, and I know many of you are thinking it too, so... Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. We are here through the offseason. Nick will be back tomorrow. <laughs> There's so much to dive into, and let's let's just do it. Milan Lucic left in free agency uh, and re-signed or signed with the Bruins, and this is very exciting for him. You know, congratulations, it, obviously, towards the end of his career, and he went home. So he did an interview uh, on dropping the gloves with John Scott, and he was recapping free agency and talked a lot about what happened last year in the Flames locker room. But let's talk about his experience with free agency, right? So he said that about 10 to 15 teams were calling him, and he had lengthy conversations with many, not just Boston, but Uh, Chicago was one of the final teams that he, you know, had in the mix of things. And (laughs) one thing I found very funny was he wanted to go to a team where he could win games night after night. Yes, Chicago got better, but I don't think you're winning night after night after night after night after you just were the worst team in the league and got the first overall pick. Like, I don't think that the turnaround happens <laughs> quite like that. So good for him for choosing Boston. I think, you know, he still has some gas left in his tank and he wants to prove it. And he says that uh, he thinks his performance in world at world champions, a world championship. Oh my gosh. I cannot talk today. I'm so sorry. Earned him another contract. And that's probably true. He had a great performance at worlds and you know, half of the roster were flames. So, or actually not anymore. Uh, Tyler Toffoli and Mackenzie Weaker and Lucic all had phenomenal performances. And it's, it's really nice to see a guy that, you know, he did have a tough time and he was considering retirement uh, and during 2019, 2020 and Jeff Ward stepped in and was like, no, we're going to make this fun for you again, because we know that you still have, a lot left in you. And he talks all about last season. And I thought it was really nice to consider it that John Scott, you know, asked him, but followed it up with, 
we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. You know, this, it's a lot. You don't have to, you don't have to relive this if it's too much. And he went, he went on with it just fine and said, uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And he's, he's not wrong. And I don't think anybody would have a better and clearer understanding of what happened last year than someone that was in the room night after night. And he ran down the statistics of 17 overtime losses, 51 goal games, and 80 hit posts as if they were ingrained in his head and as if he <laughs> they kept him up at night and he was just like having the night sweats and a nightmare being like 17 overtime losses and he just again rattled them off with no problem one thing i found very interesting here very interesting and we we did kind of hear this through the grapevine before but i don't think ever straight from a player's mouth uh he says that no one stepped up to take the bull by the horns and say we're turning this ship around and that's interesting to me because he is a veteran in this league. He was with the team for how many seasons at that point, And he, he didn't want to do it. Did he not feel comfortable to do it? Mainly because like he's buddies with Sutter. Like what, why didn't he step up? But and he, he goes on to say that the team got along. There was no bad chemistry. There was none of this. Uh, no players were cussing each other out and Kadri didn't go in and say, I hate this so much. I hate it here. I want to go back to Colorado. <laughs> and, you know, Huberto and Sutter didn't get into a physical altercation and basically denied every possible rumor except uh, players going toe-to-toe with Sutter. So we know that happened. There's no denying that. And he just said that the frustration built and it was just one thing after another. And, you know, no one was clicking at the same time when they all needed to be. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. It wasn't just, you know, there was no significant injuries, but no one was playing well. And when you have that, it's just frustrating. (laughs) That was really the key message in that whole interview really was frustration and how much it built and how significant the just the disappointment was. And he did say that uh, they did finish the season with more points than the Florida Panthers. And They were out of a playoff spot, which was interesting. And I found that, you know, to be a little shady. And I like that. Obviously, Florida was a better team. But, you know, it's just interesting how that that works out. But it is very nice to hear him talk about his time in Calgary and just how he enjoyed his seven years, six, seven years in Alberta. He talked all about how... He did everything in everything you could possibly do in Alberta. He did, you know, he went to Lake Louise. He went to Banff. He talked about how he went like white water rafting uh, down a river that I can't remember the name of, but you know, there was a quote going around like talking about and saying how Calgary like has nothing to do. And 
I, I think this goes for any place. This is just kind of like a side tangent, sorry. But when people talk about players not, not wanting to go to like Winnipeg or Calgary, it really is what you make the most of it. Not everything is going to be readily at your fingertips. And, you know, you might not have an NBA team or an MLB team, but you you can find fun things to do. And if you live in Calgary or Alberta in general, what are some of your favorite things to do in the area? Mainly because Banff is one of my bucket list items and I can't wait to go out there and I want to add some of your suggestions. And coming up next, we are going to be talking about what's next and what what is realistically going to happen because here we are on July 12th and the Flames really haven't done anything and anything significant, I should say. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick break here and talk to you about bird dogs. Bird dogs are some of the most comfortable shorts that I have ever purchased that my boyfriend has ever purchased. And I know Nick loves his. They are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg and giving you a truly sculpted look. I love wearing mine when I'm like cleaning around the house or when I'm just going down to the park to shoot some pucks and or grilling. You stand by the grill. You get your Tony Soprano on. You just grilling and you're going to play golf. You can wear it, dress them up with a polo or just casual with a, you know, a t-shirt. And I really like that they're sweat, like sweat resistant material and they stretch too. So you aren't confined and constricted and restricted to, you know, like you might get with a a different pair of shorts. So head on over to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL or enter promo code Locked on NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL or promo code locked on NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler. And you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And thank you everyone for sticking around this off season here at locked on flames, whether, uh, this is your first episode or you've been here for a little while checking back in. Thank you. It uh, means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed and throw in the show a five-star rating and nice little review if if you must. What are we doing? Okay. What are we doing? A year ago today, Johnny Gaudreau informed the Flames that he was peacing out. He was he was going elsewhere. It has been 365 days of what has felt like a nightmare (laughs) and pure panic just because there, there hasn't been a good outcome since he left. And it's very easy to pinpoint why Um, you just lost two very high end players So that's, you can't just replace that. And what is so frustrating to me right now on the theme of frustration is that Craig Conroy has made it clear that there is no timeline for uh, Noah Hannafin, Elias and Holm, Backland, or really any of the pending UFA, 2024 UFAs. And that drives me bonkers because how are you supposed to construct a roster and do your off-season duties 
when you don't know what these plans are, I think that it is so irresponsible and mismanagement and mismanaging the roster this early on in Craig Conroy's GM tenure. And I understand you do have to play both sides and kind of, you know, obviously take care of your players, but also at some point you got to just draw the line and put your foot down and say, I need an answer. Yes or no. And let me know. Because Again, you are wasting time. There is less of a demand for goalies, so you're not going to be able to trade Vladar as easily as you could have uh, prior to free agency. Who, Who is going to really be the domino that kicks this all off? I thought Alex Dabrinkit would, you know, kind of be that second domino. <laughs> really just kind of the first, I guess, in the real big trades. But... Nothing, at least for Calgary. You know, I would have expected by now that Noah Hannafin would be gone. At least Noah Hannafin, and we'd have an answer on Lindholm. And we we don't. And how are you, again, how are you supposed to put together a roster that you want to be competitive when you don't know if these guys are going to be here or when you're going to move them or... Like, you can't bring players in because you don't have money. The depth players that you're signing are for the AHL, and you're going to be moving up some players, but you also still need to refine the players that could be on the move. There's no... We're going to talk about this uh, to wrap up the show, but NHL.com's projected lineup has Jonathan Huberto starting on his off-wing, and... I don't think I have felt my blood, like, boil and come to that temperature like that in a very long time, <laughs> just because of how much of an issue it was last season. I'm begging you, every website, please hire people that have watched more than 10 minutes of the Flames or the team they're assigned, because this that's no. And I am getting this wild impression that the first player to move out of Calgary, I guess really the next one, not the first one to Foley was the first one, but it's not going to be Elias and home or Noah Hannafin. It might be Chris Tanev or Zadorov. I mean, I, I don't think that it would be crazy to move Zadorov. I think that he is kind of, a dime a dozen. He, there are very few defensemen that can't be replicated. <laughs> and if you're big and throw your body around, I mean, you're pretty much on every team. But Chris Tanev is one of those players that most teams would love to have. You know, he is great on the penalty kill. He is a, he's just such a strong penalty killer. And there are plenty of teams that could benefit from him. His grittiness and, again, those intangibles, great leadership presence. He's just a great shutdown defenseman. And it is something that teams could be interested in before they're interested in taking on, you know, expensive rentals. They don't know if anyone will resign there. But my point is, 
how do how do they feel about committing to these guys and are they okay with rentals? And if they don't resign there, you know, it's, it is a very tricky situation and I look forward to when these moves happen. So we can talk with uh, the other locked on hosts, the corresponding host of uh, the other end of the trade, because at the end of the day, I want to know what took so long. I want to know why, you know, was it just a matter of a general manager kind of testing the waters and picking his battles and not really going after either or any of these players? Was it, you know, the market? Was it just a demand that opened up due to something else? And, you know, Elias and Home, you no know, Hannafin just happened to be like the perfect replacement and upgrade or whatever the case may be. I really am excited to hear that end of the conversation. And I don't know how many times we're going to talk about Dustin Wolf and Dan Fladar and Jacob Markstrom this offseason. It's it's probably going to be a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be a lot. But I feel like we are towing the line, uh, walking that very fine line of, are we rushing him or is it time? Or it's time, I guess. Because, again, to me, Dustin Wolf looks ready to play at the NHL level. I think that now is the perfect opportunity for him to jump up to the NHL level and start seeing consistent games and getting acclimated in the NHL. But that doesn't matter what I think. What I think does not matter. I am not sitting in a conference room with any of these people saying, we need to do this or we need to do that, it comes down to how does Craig Conroy want his roster constructed? And there you can't construct a roster. That, like, you don't have all the ingredients. It's like when you're baking a cake, you're getting things. You know, getting, obviously, the cake mix, the, uh, the eggs, the vegetable oil. I'm doing, like, a cake in a box sort of thing, not a homemade cake. But <laughs> you have to have all the ingredients, and you have to have the directions. You can't construct this roster successfully with missing ingredients and directions. You just can't. You don't have any sort of guidelines or outline to follow on what you could bring in because you have just been playing soft with the players you really need to crack down on. Noah Hannafin, I understand more kind of give it like he has already told you what what he wants he wants out he wants to go back to America great so to me that's not an issue it's just a matter of when the time comes Elias and Holmes had plenty of time we talked about it on this podcast before there's a human element to all of this but there's also the business side of it and we we got to start the clock is ticking <laughs> and it has been ticking and that you know what what happens? Who becomes your number one center if and when he leaves? You know, that's that's a whole other can of worms that we could get into. But for now, we are going to take a quick break before talking about the projected lineups and why that's giving me uh, just a rush of anxiety <laughs> on July 12th. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick break here and talk to you about FanDuel. Take your first swing at 
betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, you can get paid instantly, and there is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So, sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. And thank you, everyone, so much for hanging out with me today. As always, I'm, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. I was doing some reading on my lunch break today. Favorite, favorite thing to do. Check out what the Flames have done in the four hours that I've been offline. <laughs> And surprise to no one, uh, to no no one's surprise, the Flames did nothing. And I was reading this article on NHL.com about how the Flames have had a roster reset. Uh, and they talk about the departures of like Toffoli and Lucic. And I don't even think they mentioned Trevor Lewis. They mentioned Michael Stone because he retired. And then you scroll down to the bottom and you see the projected lineup. Okay. Your projected first line is Elias Lind- Oh, sorry, Dylan Dubé on your left wing. Elias Lindholm. And Jonathan Huberdo on your right. Noted left winger who had a very difficult time on his off wing last season is starting on the right line. In what world does that make sense? Why would you project that lineup, that first line? Dylan Dubé on the first line? No. In some situations last year, yes. But Jonathan Huberdo should be on the left wing. Even in any projected lineup, I do not care. Jonathan Huberdo is a left wing playmaker. You put him on the left side. Come on, hire people that know what they're talking about, please. And then on the second line, you have uh, Igor, Igor Sharangovich, centered by Kadri and Manjupani on the right wing. I, I think that line's fine. Personally, I really don't want to break up the Manjupani, Backlund, and Coleman line, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. And you got to give uh, Igor a chance and, you know, see what Manjupani can do on the second line. This third line is absolutely the one that I would flip. This is Jacob Pelletier, Backland, and Blake Coleman. I am putting Jacob Pelletier on like the first or second line. Just my opinion. I'm not a general manager. I don't assemble rosters in my full time. I can barely assemble IKEA furniture. So I wouldn't trust me with a roster lineup. Adam Rosicka, Connor Zari, and Matthew Coronado make up your fourth line. And to me, this is an exciting line. This is very exciting. Adam Rosicka, I talked about on yesterday's show, how much of an impact he has had on the Flames lineup. And wherever he plays on the lineup, uh, or in the lineup, rather, he 
stabilizes the line. There, again, I wish I saved the visual. I will have to find it and put it on Twitter, and then I'll put it in, uh, in an episode as well. But the lineup with Rizichka versus without Rizichka were day and night. Having him there was very good. Removing him, things were not so good. So I really like that. I love the idea of Connor Zari jumping to the NHL. You know, to me, I think you're more likely to see Kevin Rooney uh, jump to that fourth line spot just because he's making $1.3 million. And Connor Zari did lose a full year of development. I believe it was full year. Uh, when he broke his leg. And I know that was a few years ago now, but are are we ready to do that full-time commitment? And Matthew Coronado, of course, I, I would assume he's going back to Harvard. Uh, again, I haven't seen anything, but there that doesn't... I don't think he's going to be on the opening night roster like this, but you have Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson as your top pair. Love to see it. And then you have Uyghur and Tanev. Where is Oliver Shillington on this? Jordan Osterley? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Nikita Zadorov. Where is Oliver Shillington? He has been cleared to be back with the NHL. Where? What are we doing? Why is he not in your projected lineup? See, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. This is why you need to hire people that actually follow the teams and not just get assigned random articles. But Oliver Shillington will be in that lineup. I do not expect, you know, maybe Noah Hannafin is gone by opening night. And then you move Uyghur up. I'm just saying, a Uyghur and Rasmus Anderson pairing, that would satisfy every craving for good hockey I have. So... Again, Oliver Shillington and Chris Tanev just need to be paired back together. I do I do not care what the universe says when it comes to assembling the pairings. You are putting Oliver Shillington with Chris Tanev. It just makes the most sense. They were very effective two seasons ago. And why not put him where he's comfortable? Because he's going to need it. I also think that... The Flames could potentially trade with Boston for a defenseman. They could take on, you know, Matt Grizzlick's contract. And I think that would be super interesting and not just for my own selfish reasons. But I do think that Matt Grizzlick would be a great puck-moving defenseman for for Calgary. He's small, but he, he he's still effective. I don't he, – he was scratched a lot during the playoffs, which was questionable at best. But – Listen to Locked on Bruins for that because I have a lot of opinions on that and that this is not the time or the place. So thank you everyone for hanging out with me today on Locked on Flames. As always, I am your host, Jess Belmosto, and Locked on Flames is here for you every day. And make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. Tell me how you're feeling in the comments. What what do you rate this offseason season? So far, you don't have to give it a letter grade, but are you feeling good? You feeling meh? You feeling indifferent? What's what's the vibe? I want to know. And I will catch you tomorrow. And Nick will be back as well. He'll be joining us Thursday and Friday this week. And maybe 
the universe will give us something to talk about. Until then, stay safe, stay hydrated, stay moisturized, and put on some sunscreen.